House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Okay, we're back, and uh, joining us now is the guest we were talking about, uh, Daisy Coos. Uh, thank you for being here, Daisy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Wow, Daisy. Now, uh, we've both been through the book, and, and we've talked a little bit about it, and, and uh, there's quite a bit of uh, talk about this book. Um, um, Lost Innocence. So what made you write this book? Um, and you know, where did it come from from you? Like, what what part of your makeup did this book? The book came about um, last year. I learned, along with the rest of the world, who Joseph James D'Angelo truly was. Um, I knew him back in the '80s. I uh, when when I learned that um, who he was and my experience with him, I, I felt. I felt the need to write the book because as, as, I, as I got more into uh, the idea of, of telling my story to the police um, and authorities, I was told that the raids didn't really count in so many words. Uh, they just didn't count because the statute of limitations was up. He was being prosecuted for the murders. But that's the way it was almost presented to me, was the rapes just don't count. We can take your report. Um, we can tell you, you know, we'll, we'll have this in a file, but we cannot prosecute him. Uh, that is what I was told. And I became angry. I was infuriated that um, a woman could be raped, and in a certain amount of years it just disappeared. So I wanted to tell the story. I wanted to tell my story. I wanted to give my girlfriend, Lisa, from California, who was also raped by him, a voice. Um, that's truly what the book was about. Um, I felt that without the book, our stories would never be heard. Mm. Now, now, maybe explain to people, um, how well did you know um, him before? Very well. Um, I had known him for about two and a half years before the sexual assault happened with me. What, well, what kind of relationship did you have with him before? Um, we, we met in the mall. Uh, he presented himself as a photographer who wanted to take my photos. Um, he came into the restaurant where I worked in Citrus Heights and just befriended me. Um, I was new to the community. Um, he was 15 years my senior. Uh, very, uh, very charismatic. Mm. Uh, there were times I'd see him twice a week, and then there were times I wouldn't see him for a month. But um, we became pretty good friends. We had many conversations. Um, I met his baby daughter. I knew that he was married. I was married part of the time that I knew Joe. And um, I would consider him a friend. It was never a romantic relationship. Mm. Um, just, a, you know, just a basic friendship. What, what kind of things did you guys talk about in general? Like, like what was, when you saw him, what, what, what were your interests with each other? Uh, he had a baby daughter. Um, she was just gorgeous. And I, I, I just thought Joe was an amazing man. I, this guy takes care of his daughter. Um, he, he was a stay-at-home dad. Now, that term was not used back then. But um, he took care of his daughter while his wife worked. He was married to... 
uh, very intelligent attorney. Um, he had been a police officer, which I had police officers in my family, uh, so we had that connection. We also had a connection with airplanes. My husband, at the time, his family ran a small airport in Cameron Park, which was just north of Sacramento. So we shared the love of flying, uh, the love of airplanes. There was music. I, we just we just seemed to have a lot to talk about, you know, when we did see one another. Um, how how long was it before something bad happened? Um, two, right around two and a half years before something bad happened. Mm. Can can you can you talk about what happened um, first happened that you? that there was a change in the relationship from just being casual friends? Uh, it happened, I was just finishing up uh, cosmetology school in Sacramento. I was taking the, the nail tech classes, and um, Joe knew I had a lot of fear living in, in California. Um, I felt like I was being stalked. Um, my apartment had been broken into. My car had been vandalized twice. Um, there was all this talk about this serial rapist guy that um, from the locals, you know, me being a young girl, and uh, they all seemed to want to warn me. Um, so I, I lived with a lot of fear. I think Joe knew um, coming right up on when the attack did happen that I had planned to leave California. Uh, I had told him I was not comfortable living there anymore. I was very frightened. Um, I wanted to come home, and Joe knew I was leaving. Uh, he did not like it. Um, he voiced that to me. He did not want me to move from California. I, I believe Joe, this is just my opinion, of course. I believe Joe attacked me when he did because he knew I would be leaving soon. I have a question. Um, yes. Why do you think he revealed himself to you in that moment, uh, whereas he'd been so careful with everybody else? Uh, as far as we know. I think our relationship was different than just Joe and the victim. Um, was it, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I'd love to sit down with Joe and ask. But in my mind, it was either this is going to be the ultimate kill for me mm. um, because she's going to see my face and she's going to realize I'm the one that's been terrifying her for two and a half years. And this is going to be great because to be blunt, it was right at orgasm when he exposed himself to me. Um, okay. And I believe, I believe it was, it, I, I don't know, I, I can only guess that it was going to be the ultimate thing. I believe, had my husband been home that night, um, we would have both died. Yeah. After it happened, what, what was your initial response when you knew who it was? When he pulled off my blindfold and I was struggling to see who he was, um, he still had his mask on. I could see his eyes. They, they were not blue. Joe had beautiful blue eyes. They were black. Um, they were dilated so much. Uh, when he exposed himself to me, my initial reaction was, my God, Joe, what are you doing? What, what the hell? You know, um, and not in such nice words. I, um, I was very confused. I was still in shock from, you know, believing I'm dying. I'm going to die here tonight, you know, at the hands of the East Area Rapist. And um, when he exposed himself to me, I was, I was in shock all over again. Um, 
and I just started asking questions. What are you doing? What mm. are you doing? You know. And you, you mentioned you mentioned uh, you call it in the book uh, at times a pretend rape. Can you kind of explain your thinking behind that, or what you were thinking at the time that made you come up with that sort of label for it? I was 22 years old. I had never really even talked to anyone about rape besides Lisa. Mm. Um, pretend rape. In my mind, I thought I, I was trying to figure out, did, um, did Joe and I talk about this MO so many times that, that he think I, did he think I wanted this? Um, did I, you know, did I somehow mislead him? I was blaming myself. Um, to me, when he walked out of my apartment that night, um, I thought it was some mixed up fantasy that, that he had going on um, and that somehow it, it, it had just created itself with our conversations about the East Area Rapist and his M.O. And, uh, I, I, you know, for the lack of a better word, pretend rape uh, fantasy. I, I yeah. thought maybe it was mixed fantasy. Oh, that, that explains it a bit for me, for sure. I just wonder, so now after that happened, um, how did your relationship with him change? I never saw Joe after it happened. When he left my apartment, um, it was, I, I'd say he, he probably spent three hours with me in my apartment that night. After it was all over, after I was cut loose, after I consoled him, um, after he consoled me and apologized, and I, I thought I, I, we had come to some understanding. Um, I wanted Joe away from me. I, I thought Joe was high. I thought Joe was drunk. I could smell alcohol on him. I, you know, he, he, he messed around with some drugs, you know, uh, that I was aware of. I wanted him out of the apartment, and I was going to tell him anything he needed to hear to get him out. So I made plans with Joe to meet him the next day. I convinced him I would meet him the next day. Uh, all I was trying to do was take control of the situation and get him out of there so I could leave. After he left, um, I bathed a couple times. I packed two suitcases. That's all I took. Two suitcases, waited for daylight because I felt safe, and I got my car and I got my puppy and my two suitcases, and I went and drove up to Cameron Park and told my husband at the time that uh, I had to leave. Uh, he had known for a while that I wanted to leave California because of my fears. Um, but I never saw Joe after that. I flew out of California not not too long after that. Now, did you ever consider going to the police at that time? No. Honestly, no. I, I honestly thought it was miscommunication I had led that man on somehow um, you would have to understand our friendship mm -hmm. uh, and never in my wildest dreams never one time and I'll say this to the victims I'll say this to their family not one time did I ever think for a second that he was that monster not mm -hmm. once or I would have gone to the police I thought he was a messed up guy who was in an unhappy marriage who had some sort of obsession with me, 
and maybe the ether and rapist M.O., uh, that he was into S&M, that um, he was high, and he had some weird fantasy that, you know, I never thought that... I didn't consider it rape when I left. I did not. Um, I, I, of course, it was with him. It was with a man I had known for two and a half years. Okay, now I think that's kind of a, I, I, from what I understand, that's kind of a, a key point that um, some people have problems with you with, right? That, I mean, maybe maybe some attacks on social media and stuff. It's kind of about that point that you never considered it rape. Um, and so you so you never thought about it as as, as rape, but you felt violated somehow or I felt like I had gotten myself I was blaming myself I think a lot of victims do that I was blaming myself that I'd gotten myself into a very bad situation mm -hmm. um, that I'd somehow misled him um, after a two and a half year friendship maybe he had um, more feelings for me than, than I had for him um, uh, no I did not consider it rape Looking yeah. back on it now, now looking back on it now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I was a little, I, to me, I was a little girl. I was twenty two. I was confused. Looking back on it now, he was a monster that mm -hmm. manipulated me for two and a half years, and finally had his way with me. Yeah. Um. So looking back on it now, absolutely, that is rape. Absolutely, I would advise any young girl that um that is taken advantage of by he was 15 years my senior so by an older man by um that him saying he's sorry and crying with you on the bed doesn't make it okay no i, w I went through a situation when i was 11 years old a man tried to abduct me uh and uh i went through that uh blaming myself for the situation and and really, I had I had nothing to do with it. I was just there, and it was this person's actions that created the situation. It wasn't where I was or what I was doing or anything like that. So I really, uh, really understand you when you're when you're talking about that point, uh, that whole. Uh, it's it's weird. Your brain does weird things when uh, a traumatic event happens to you, and you want to blame yourself somehow for drawing it to you. Especially when you've created a friendship over two and a half years, and you care for the person, mm -hmm. you I cared for him, um, so it was hard for me to separate that. And when I found out last April who he was, I was angry. I was so heartbroken um, for one to realize the danger that I truly was in. Uh, God, you know, a lot of prayers got me through that. Um, I've had a lot of therapy. Um, to to take away that that shame and that blame that I had on my young self, you know, um, he was a master manipulator, and I was a young girl, a young impressionable girl, very very gullible young girl from Ohio. So even before he was uh, arrested, uh, Michelle McNamara's uh, book. Uh, came came out sort of around the same time like a little bit before there was all kinds of information about him in the press uh, were you or about the the East area rapist in the press were you ever suspicious that perhaps that was some 
that maybe it was him? Just just maybe? Honestly, no. Um, living in Ohio, uh, I do have friends still in California. That is not a topic of conversation. It hasn't been for many, many years. I haven't thought about the East Area Rapist or Joe or any of that for so many years. So, no, I was not one of those people that was on the Internet seeing this information. I saw the information along with the rest of the world. And when the pieces started fitting together, it was terrifying. Uh, when I saw this old man in a cage, you know, I explained that in the book. I, I saw him in a cage. I saw this old man, and I'm like, yay. You know, they finally got that guy who used to scare me to death, you know, when I lived in Citrus Heights as a young girl. And I was so happy uh, when they started showing photos of Joe as a younger man, and when I saw the one of him in his police uniform, not that I ever saw him in a police uniform. I did not. He was no longer a police officer then. But it, it was Joe. So, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was Joe, and I, I said, no way. Nuh uh I started bawling. I went into shock. I had never even told anyone about my experience with Joe. I left all that behind me. And then to find out that he's this, monster that, that raped 50 plus women and killed people it was heartbreaking, it was devastating I'm telling you, I broke, it broke me as a woman to realize all of that um, just absolutely, absolutely terrifying well, and, and since then, now have you tried to communicate with him or, or go see him and, and confront him about this? I live in Ohio so to go visit him would be um, devastating to hear him refute um, because definitely yes I would want that closure if he would ever allow me that oh but the things I would say to this man however I did write him a three page letter mm. and it was delivered to him I cannot tell you if he read it I have not received a response but I, mm. I hope that he reads it I hope that he reads the book I hope um, that I've given enough information that would identify Lisa enough that he will remember who she was. He knows who I am. He knows who I am. So it, to me, the book was maybe a little bit of, I hate to use the word revenge, um, but, but a little, little bit of a FU to Joe that you didn't win. You may have owned me for three hours in my apartment that night, and you may have you know, terrified me for three, you know, two and a half years before that night. But you didn't win. You changed the direction of my life, absolutely. But you didn't win because I went on to have an amazing life mm. and beautiful children. And uh, he's behind bars. Yeah, now, in your book, you also talk about your friend Lisa and yes. about her having, um, you know, being attacked by, by, by Joe as well. And... Um, Maybe, could you tell us a little bit about that so the listeners kind of get an idea of who Lisa is? I met Lisa when we were both 19 years old. In 1980, I had just moved to California. Um, we worked in the same restaurant together, and she confided in me about a year after knowing me that she had been raped at 16. Um, she had a beautiful little girl uh, who was two when I met her, and... She, she described this rape to me, and uh, Lisa had a child that was born from that rape, and she she changed her whole life to protect that baby. She did not know who Joe was, 
the, the man who raped her was, you know, wearing a mask. He was on a motorcycle. Um, she identified Joe after he was um, arrested. She identified him by his voice. Mm. Um, and a lot of the factors, a lot of the things that factored in with, uh, you know, not being well endowed, um, the way he spoke. He called Lisa three months after he raped her on Christmas to remind her that he would kill her and her family if she reported the rape. And uh, once he was arrested and they released those tapes of Joe speaking, that was her confirmation that it was Joe. Mm-hmm. And people have also come at me and said, well, why doesn't she just do the DNA and, and all that? And I'm like, why would she destroy her child's life? Um, for one, she could do the DNA. She could prove that she has a daughter. Uh, for what? For what? To ruin their family life? Right. The rape doesn't matter anyway. That's why I wrote the book. Her rape doesn't count. Yeah. It would never count. Even if you've got a rape kit sitting in Sac- Sacramento that has his DNA in it that they took out of your body, even if you have that right now, it does not matter. It doesn't count. That's why I wrote the book. That makes sense. Okay. I'm so, glad. <laughs> well, and, and, and one, one key part, too, was you mentioned how um, didn't she meet Joe with you once and have the daughter one, with her? One time, yes. We were, Lisa and I were shopping, and uh, I'd run into Joe quite often at the mall. And he would be pushing his daughter around. I did introduce them. The thing is, um, Joe wasn't wearing a ski mask that day. Right. Nor was he wearing nor was he wearing a motorcycle helmet. Um, you know, uh, and Lisa had totally changed her look. Lisa was a very smart woman, one of the most intelligent women uh, that I've ever met. She had changed her looks completely. Um, so no, he wasn't growling at her either. He didn't say, "Ah, oh, nice to meet you." You know, it was. Hi, Lisa. Nice to meet you. You know what I mean? It was um, it was a totally different experience for her. Yeah, and and yeah, you would never know what he was thinking, whether he recognized her or not. He did not. Um, Lisa, I can tell you, I can tell you from photos that I've seen of her uh, before I met her, that she looked like a totally different person, mm. and she did that on purpose. She never wanted to be out in public with Ruby. Um, and to run into this man, she had no idea who this man was. Did he live down the street? Did he shop at her grocery store? Um, did he belong to her church? Was it a friend of her dad, her brother? She never wanted, she had no idea who this man was. Um, so she changed everything about herself to protect that little girl, and she will till the day she dies. And, and, and how does she feel about it now and, and about the book coming out and mentioning her in it? The book, um, it, 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 you could never, it's, it's almost like I put Lisa through a shredder um, or put her in a blender, you know. Yeah. She, you could never piece it together and figure out who she is. I, I can tell you this, and this is very interesting for anyone interested in the book. Um, there are other people that have come forward to me. I, I, am, I am actually friends with a few of his known and numbered victims. However, through this process, I, I have two others, one that I'm going to co-author a book with um, that had, you know, terrible experiences with Joe, 
one was a very long, long relationship, and, and the other, you know, just a rape victim. However, these women need a voice. These women need a platform. And if I can do that for them, you know, I could die a happy woman. I created a page on Facebook called Silent Survivors where I've had women, uh, you know, who, who are survivors of sexual assault, not just of Joe, um, but of, any, of anyone. Women need to have a platform. Women need to have that voice. And that is my number one priority. Um, the, the Joe thing is just, you know, it's real close to home with me. Um, but there are many w- women out there that, that need our support, that we need the laws changed. We, there should never be a statute of limitation on a rape. Um, we need to create a, a platform where our girls are not afraid to speak. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really important. Um, so overall, what would you want a reader to get from your book? Like, what's the most important thing they, they're going to take away from the book? Uh, I believe I started the book out. Um, I wanted people to know where I came from. I wanted to pe- people to know my mindset. I was really a very innocent young girl. Um, I want young girls, maybe in high school or college, to realize how easy it is to be manipulated, especially by a master. To me, though, was a master manipulator. Mm-hmm. Um, to be aware that monsters walk among us and... I want young girls to know that they do have a voice and there is, there's help out there. They just need to reach out. They don't have to be afraid anymore. It's a different world now. I want, I want this world to change. I want us to have stronger, smarter young girls, you know, and I'm, I, hopefully, um, we can raise better humans. I, I, you know, I hope it influences some women to talk to, to their sons and, uh, I hope it opens minds. I hope it ruffles some feathers, which I think it has. Yeah. Um, but it's really, truly, I hope it opens minds yeah. and hearts. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, now, of course, your book is available at fine bookstores and uh, Amazon, and uh, the publisher is R.J. Parker. And um, now, do you have a website as well, or is, is that just where people find you? I do not have a website. I do have the Silent Survivors on Facebook for any woman out there listening that just needs an ear, that needs some advice on where to go. um, We need to support each other, and that's what I'm here for. I'm here for women. Fantastic. We're going to have that up on our website as well as a link to your book, and so any of the listeners listening can just do one click and pick up the book. Again, the book is called Innocence Lost, and the author is Daisy Coombs. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Daisy. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.